Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hiya. You all right? Hey, Dan. Good. I'm Persis. I'm well. Come on in. Thank you. Money Clinic producer Persis Love visited podcast listener Will at his home this week to talk about a topic that's worrying both of them, rising rents. You want a cup of tea? Kettle's just boiled. Uh, yeah, that'd be great, thanks. It's nice day. With landlords increasing rents at a frightening pace, both Persis and Will are house hunting because they can no longer afford to stay in their flats. And to make matters worse, they've both been struggling to find a new place to live. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times on personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. This week, we'll be reporting on the cost of renting crisis. Anyone who's renting a property anywhere in the UK right now will know exactly what I mean. Rents are soaring, and as you'll hear on this episode, crisis is no exaggeration when it comes to describing the nightmarish situation that tenants currently find themselves in. It's really bad. You know, we are hearing from people every day who are um, battling increasingly unaffordable private rents, who are struggling to find somewhere to live. And when they do, they're being forced to jump through really extreme barriers just to access that home. We'll be hearing about bidding wars, 50% rent hikes, how landlords are vetting tenants and how finding a property to rent has become a full-time job. There is a shortage of supply like we've never seen before. I've never seen anything like it for the 20 years that I've been in the business. We'll unpack what's causing this rental crunch and what on earth tenants can do about it. Greg Suman, one of the UK's top letting agents, and Ruth Ehrlich, policy manager at Shelter, will be giving us the inside track on what's really happening in the property market, your rights if your landlord wants to increase your rent, and, of course, an array of practical tips to help renters who are looking for a new home. But first, I'm joined in the FT studio by Money Clinic producer Persis Love. Well, Hello, person. Hi, Claire. This is a slightly weird experience because normally you're in my ear or you're through the screen in the studio telling me what to do. But today we've got you on the mic to talk about the cost of renting crisis. Tell everybody how it's affecting you. Well, I have been looking for a flat for the past three months. Uh, we decided to move because my landlord offered us a rental increase of over 20% and we decided it wasn't worth it for us. 
they have since put the property on the market for over 50% more than we're paying right now, which is truly shocking. But the process of trying to find somewhere has been really difficult. It's extremely competitive and it's really hard to find somewhere that I can actually afford. Now, you're 27 and you work in a professional job. Now, being priced out of buying a property is one thing for your generation, but being priced out of renting one, I mean, what's happening? Exactly my thoughts. So when we decided to make an episode about renting, it really didn't take me long to find other people in a similar situation. I spoke to people in Bath and in Manchester who are also experiencing dramatic rent increases. I've also heard lots of anecdotal stories from and about other people. For example, a junior doctor in Exeter who was 12th in line to view a property, just to view it. But I did speak to one Money Clinic listener living in East London. And we're going to hear from him now. Hello, my name is Will. I turned 28 last week. I work at a national museum and I also lecture at a university. I'm from Manchester, but I've been living in East London for three or so years now. And tell me about the flat you're in, how long you've been here. So this is a three-bed flat in Dalston and I've been living here since January of this year, 2022. And how much are you paying for this room at the moment, we've got a pretty good deal, which is 600 I pay 600 for this room. But the deal is predicated on the fact that when we took it, we agreed that we'd be here just for three months. Three months has now turned into six months for Will and his housemates. But the landlord says she wants them out by September, so they're on the hunt for somewhere new. Tell me about what it's been like flat hunting in this area. Uh, It's not been fun. (laughs) It's been really hard work. It started with, okay, let's find a three bed in this region. That's what, you know, how I've been living for three or so years now and what I'm very used to and what I'd like. However, that quickly became apparent that we couldn't get what we'd want. And so you've been going to viewings, have you? And what's that been like? Not been nice. We've been going to a lot of viewings a lot recently. I've probably been to about seven and as many days recently i was at one this morning as well normally the viewings are for the next day because that's the rate at which things have been turned around at the moment now the way it works with my days is i'm quite fortunate because i lecture at university at the moment with summer break so i have much greater availability than i normally would but i really don't know how people who have just full-time nine-to-five jobs do it because the vast majority is, okay, can you do 10.30 tomorrow? Can you do X time tomorrow? I'm also house hunting at the moment and have had similar experiences and have had it, yeah, where you, you kind of have to be on line, on right move all day. As soon as you see a property come up, you have to call. I think I called an estate agent. He said to me, like, I only listed this property half an hour ago and you're 15th in the queue to view it. And also other experiences we've had with going and actually viewing properties, like see someone that you quite like. I think we saw one last week um, that we liked the look of and it was affordable, which is quite rare to find somewhere that looks decent and within, I don't know, less than £700 each. We were the second people through the door at 9.30 in the morning and the property had already gone because the first people through the door had put in the holding deposit. 
feels like it's you're being encouraged to get involved in bidding wars for these properties and i don't know it's frustrating it's frustrating and also you don't know if it's true you have completely no power no agency within it because there might not be there probably will be but there also might not be it's really explosive it's all very very tight i don't have much money at all and seemingly i'm only gonna have even less when bills go up again I end most months with £10 to my name or even in my overdraft. There is no saving that's happening here. I'm living month to month, paycheck to paycheck. And the amount that you need to get onto the property market at the moment is crazy and therefore not doable. And I mean, how do you feel in general about the current situation with the rental market? I mean, does it make, how does it make you feel? Um, I mean, nothing too surprising, sad, angry, frustrated. I think people would suspect that because of my, yeah, my job titles, my career path, that I am doing better than I am. Uh, I get to have a very nice life and I consider myself very lucky, but also I'm struggling. It's really hard. Um, which leads to this kind of constant low level, low lying level of anxiety that just festers due to the precariousness of it all. I've, you know, when I've moved into my next place, hopefully that'll be for a 12 month lease. And then once we're in there, that'll be the first time I can stop worrying about where I'm going to be living next month since October of last year. So it will be 12 months, basically, of not really knowing where I'm going to be next month. And that takes its toll, big time. It's hard. Well, Claire, that was mine and Will's experiences. And talking to him really made it hit home how widespread the situation is. Well, I'm really glad that you've made that report because people who aren't in the rental market at the moment have got no idea that this is going on should have by now. I mean, how does it make you feel, Persis, to be in this situation? I think similar to Will, it makes me feel it makes me feel anxious about uh, where I'm going to end up and it makes me think that you know, if this is what the prices are like now, what does that mean for the future? Well, quite. And thank you so much, Persis, for making that report. Well, the situation Persis and Will are facing may well sound familiar to you. In order to find out why this is the case, we reached out to some property and housing experts. My name is Greg Suman. I'm Director of Lettings at Martin Gerrard Estate Agents in North London. I'm also President-elect for Arla Property Mark. Property Mark is a membership organisation for estate agents. So Greg, who's worked in the industry for 20 years, gets a pretty comprehensive overview of the UK rental market. Now, we've invited you in to the studio today to talk about why it is so hard to find rental properties in London right now. Why is it so hard? Well, it's not something that's happened overnight. It's um, been a long time coming and Property Mark and the whole industry has been ringing alarm bells since 2016. We've had higher population growth than uh, house building for at least as long as I've been in the industry, probably longer. And in 2016, there was a policy to discourage landlords from buying more property. And has the pandemic done anything to fundamentally accelerate this? Well, if, if anything, 
the pandemic has probably masked the current situation because we pandemic together with the Brexit situation, we saw approximately a million people leave London. Mm. That's huge. That's about 10% of the population. Now, uh, at the same time, tourists stopped coming uh, as much uh, because they couldn't travel. Uh, all the Airbnbs and short-term lettings went on to the private rented sector and we had a glut of property. But then, uh, when landlords realised that the properties were sitting vacant and the stamp duty holiday was introduced, there was a lot of demand from buyers. So a lot of landlords decided to sell. All those landlords who sold had tenants. Now, those tenants started competing with the new tenants coming into the market. And then on top of that, people started coming back to London. So we saw a spike in demand and all of a sudden, almost as much as 50% drop in available rental property. Gosh. So just to give you some statistics that we keep internally, in May 2020, we had approximately five people competing for each property available to let. May this year, that figure jumped to 35 people competing for each property. Let's just explore that statistic a little more. So back in May 2020, there were roughly five people chasing every property in London that came onto the market. And at the moment, it's about 35 people. So demand has increased sevenfold. What's happened to rents financially? Well, as, as you would expect, they're absolutely going through the roof. We're seeing reports of 40% rent increases year on year. So rents are a problem. And I mean, I don't want to be alarmist here, but um, we're seeing interest rates going up. Mm -hmm. Retail price index currently stands at 11.8%. This is just the measure of inflation. So if your rent isn't going up by that, it means your landlord hasn't actually increased your rent. It's, he's pretty much kept it below inflation rate. The market rent increases are more like 30% at the moment in most parts of London. I'm going to bring in our other expert here. Ruth Ehrlich is a policy manager at Shelter, the housing and homelessness charity. We have our frontline services which help people every single day who are struggling to access and maintain a home in the private rented sector. And when you combine that with run runaway house prices um, and a desperate lack of social housing, you have people who are really, really struggling to get by on a day-to-day -day basis. That is obviously being exacerbated by the living cost crisis. Shelter's website is one of the first places to turn to if you need advice on housing or want to brush up on your renter's rights. We've been hearing from estate agents that within London, annual rent rises of 20 to 30% are now becoming the norm for most properties. I mean, that is a really horrifying prospect at a time when there are so many other pressures from the cost of living crisis on people's wallets. How do you see this playing out? So, look, I mean, obviously, this is going to have a massive impact on people's finances. It already is. It's why it's so important that people try and stick in the tenancies that they are in, where the increases are lower. But, you know, we have been warning of this for a long time. In the past 20 years, the private rented sector has doubled in size. Um, you know, house prices are completely out of control for younger people who are living in the private rented sector. And of course, decades of failure to build adequate social housing means that um, private renting is the norm. And as such, landlords can raise the rent astronomically, even in a time of financial crisis. Ruth's advice relates to renters in England. There's a different system in Wales and Scotland 
See Shelter's website for more detailed information. So the first thing to do is to check whether or not your landlord can raise your rent if they're doing it in the proper way. So your landlord can only increase your rent if you agree to it or if they follow the correct process. So that will depend on if you're in a fixed term contract or in a rolling contract. The two processes are different. So if you're in a fixed term, then either you need to agree to the new rent, sign a new contract or have a rent review clause in your tenancy agreement. If you're on a rolling contract, then your landlord can only increase the rent for those reasons or if they serve you with a Section 13 notice to raise the rent. Um, that has to kind of be, in the it can't be in the first year of your tenancy and it can't be done more than once a year. Okay, good to know. But let's say landlord comes along and says, right, Ruth, I want to put your rent up by 20%. It's all in the contract, pay up. Can you negotiate? You can. So that's always the best place to start is to try and negotiate with your landlord and um, explain to them what your financial situation is. Um, you could perhaps offer a lower increase if that is more affordable to you. Or if you think that your landlord is hiking the rent above market level, then you can explain that to your landlord. Um, if that doesn't work, you can take your landlord to tribunal and challenge the rent increase and say it's above market level. Um Currently, there is a risk that if you do that, the tribunal will not just agree with your landlord, but set the rent even higher. The positive thing is that the government has committed to reforming this process so that, firstly, it's easier to take your landlord to tribunal in the case of an unfair rent increase. And secondly, that the tribunal would not be able to increase that rent level. But the most important thing is to start with negotiations with your landlord. So if you're coming to the end of a fixed term contract, your landlord has offered you a new contract at a higher rent and you don't want to go ahead with that, what happens? If you don't want to sign that, then your contract would automatically become a rolling contract. So your tenancy doesn't end on the final day of your fixed term contract. But ultimately, if the landlord does want to raise the rent, then at some, then at some point they are more likely to serve you with an eviction notice and ask you to leave. Also known as no-fault evictions... Section 21 notices are the standard procedure for evicting tenants in England. If you're on a rolling contract or your fixed term is coming to an end, then you could be served with one. It gives you just two months notice to leave and it can be served for no reason whatsoever. So even if you pay the rent on time, take great care of the property, uh, have lived there for years and years and years, you can be served with a Section 21 notice and there's no defence to it. So we know, we hear it every day from our services, that puts people off complaining, um, you know, if there are things like disrepair or harassment. And the threat of a no-fault notice can mean that if a landlord asks for a higher rent, it does not make the tenant feel like they are in a good position to bargain. Now, what can you do if your landlord has threatened you with eviction? So your landlord has to follow the legal process in order to evict you. Um, for most private tenants, we're assuming that a tenant has an assured shorthold tenancy um, on a rolling contract, then that will start with being served a Section 21 notice. has to be served on the right form. You have to have certain documents in order for it to be valid. So the first thing to do when you get a Section 21 notice is check whether or not it's valid. You can do that on Shelter's website. Um, we can get you loads of advice on that. But at the end of that, Section 21 notice, crucially, you don't have to leave the property. So that's not the time at which you have to get out. Your landlord then has to follow the correct legal process, which means taking you to court, getting a possession order, um, and then getting a bailiff warrant as well. Now, we know that most people do tend to leave when they're served an eviction notice, but it's really important to know that if you just can't find anywhere else to live and you are desperate and time is ticking on your Section 21, you don't have to get out on that very last day of the, of the Section 21. 
You might think of Shelter as a charity that helps the homeless, and it certainly does, but Ruth is keen to stress Shelter is there to help renters too. If that could be you, if you're not sure about what your rights are, then please do um, check out our Shelter website. It has tonnes of advice on there. Um, It's www.shelter.org.uk. And if you're experiencing um, difficulties with your landlord, you can also get in touch with one of our expert advisors um, through our website as well. Let's get back to Greg now. His inside track on the soar away rental market means he's got loads of tips for renters looking to pin down a new place. His first piece of advice register with a letting agent. Okay, he would say that, but here's why. Because some properties uh, go even before they're listed on portals. So we've got Rightmove, Zoopla and others. With the demand as high as it is, quite often tenants secure their properties. Off market, as it's known. Before they go to market, quite right. What other tips do you have for our listeners, Greg? Where should they start? Work out your budgets. Do not commit to more than is affordable. Do not delay because speed is absolutely key. Also, a little bit of inside information here. There's a window during the holiday season in the summer as there's a little bit less competition. So like right now? Right now, right now. Okay. So seasonally, demand starts to spike from about the 20th of August until uh, mid-November. In a hot market, it's more important than ever for renters to get their paperwork organised well in advance. As I said before, speed is key. Uh, the longer you wait to complete references and sign contracts, the more likely things can go wrong. We've had circumstances where um, landlords change their mind. We had situations where uh, people who viewed property before um, come back and realise that they can't find anything else and offer over-asking price. So my advice to anyone um, looking now is remember that you are competing with many other tenants in a similar position. It is not just about how much rent you offer to the landlord. It is about how cooperative you are, how prepared you are, how quickly you can act. Greg says renters should be prepared to provide their new landlord with a reference from their old one. Yeah, you heard that right. Most of our clients, our landlords, will ask for a previous landlord's reference. In fact, some will actually want to interview the tenant in their current home just to see how well they're looking after it. Gosh, that's quite interesting. And, I mean, legally, um, if somebody doesn't provide a reference from another landlord? I think it will be very, very difficult for them to secure that property. Now, what information should renters have prepped in order to be able to put their offer in swiftly? References that are most likely looked at are, uh, well, you, you need to have good credit history. That, that That's a must. Uh, if you have bad credit history, depending on how bad it is, it's very important to be honest and open about it, discuss it with the landlord, because if an undisclosed county court judgment comes back, um, then your prospects of securing that property are close to zero. It's a good idea to check your credit score. See our previous Money Clinic episode all about that. And be aware that more and more landlords are using apps powered by open banking to carry out affordability checks. There's a link in the show notes to my award-winning FT column, Should I Let My Landlord Spy on My Finances? Another thing that you might need to have lined up before you start viewing is a rental guarantor. Someone prepared to be legally liable for the rent in the event that you can't pay. The demand for guarantors has been increasing over the last 12 months. And just in general, just have, have as much information about yourself ready as possible. Prospective tenants also need to be prepared to pay a holding deposit in order to secure their offer. 
It cannot be more than one week's rent. It has to be uh, deducted from the first month's rent if the tenant is successful in securing this uh, tenancy. And a landlord cannot hold it for more than two weeks. If you intend to stay in the property for more than a year, Greg says it's worth stressing that to the letting agent. A landlord would be very keen to know that you will take care of their property, you will make a home of it. Preference is given to tenants who want to stay for a longer period of time. Finally, we've heard about bidding wars happening on rental properties. Should prospective tenants be prepared to offer over the asking price in order to secure a property? Short answer is yes, but that comes with a caveat. Please do not overstretch yourselves because just because you feel like you need to offer more to secure the property, it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do in the long term. You need to make sure that you can meet the financial commitments over the course of the tenancy. Well, thanks there to our experts, Greg Seaman and Ruth Ehrlich. And of course, to listener Will and producer Persis Love for sharing their stories of navigating this nightmare in the rental market. Persis, I'll give the final word to you. Thanks, Claire. I was really struck listening to the experts about just how serious the situation is and how with inflation set to soar this autumn, the cost of renting crisis is only going to get worse. And I think this will have a huge knock-on effect in other areas of my finances and of our listeners' finances. So this is an issue that on Money Clinic, I think we would really want to hear more about. And I would encourage our listeners to get in touch with us via email at moneyatft.com. And also, as always, you can send me a DM on social media if you want to tell us about the experiences you're having in the rental market. I'm at Claire B, C-L-A-E-R-B, on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok, waiting to hear from you. That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you found it a useful listen. Before you go, here's one final money-saving tip from me. I'll be speaking all about money and investing at the FT Weekend Festival on Saturday, September 3rd in London and online. If you want to save £20 on the cost of a festival pass, go to our website, ft.com ftwf, and enter the special promo code for podcast listeners. It's FT Money. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, then, as Persis said, get in touch. Money Clinic was produced by Persis Love and Philippa Goodrich. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragossa. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.